0: Welcome back. I am so excited that you have joined me again in the Aligned Womb Aligned You podcast. I'm Kate Nagai and I am your host and womb guide on this journey. I'm here to help you to lean into the language of your menstrual cycle so that you can align yourself and awaken and activate to your womb wisdom to live the most inspired life. I am so excited to jump into this episode and to dive into today's topic. So let's get started. Welcome to this week on the Aligned Room, Aligned You. We have a special guest. We have Vidya Ramachandran, who is the founder of the Warrior Strategy. And I'm so excited to dive into this idea of this finding our inner warrior and how we can create strategic tools around how to live our life more in alignment. She is a self-leadership catalyzer and a recalibration strategist who helps women to be their most unapologetic, expressive, free, vital, unique, creative selves. Through her unapologetic recalibration framework, she guides women to reignite their inner spark and break free from the societal, cultural, and familiar norms or systems that are preventing them from thriving. Vidya's strong advocate for boldly claiming one's values and soul desires despite others' expectations through accessing mind-body wisdom and honoring the natural energy cycles to avoid burnout. Her work teaches women how to recognize when they are out of alignment and when and how to recalibrate in a way that keeps them true to themselves. So welcome, Vidya. I cannot wait to jump into this conversation and and look at how our body connection is so fundamental to reclaiming our values and our desires.
1: Yeah, thank you, Kate, for having me. Uh, Thanks for the listeners for listening in. And this is just a topic that's become really near and dear to my heart over the last couple of years. So I'm excited to dive in with you today. Mm -hmm.
0: And maybe we can even start because I know that when I was reading your bio and your what brought you here, I was fascinated by this idea of how you started this work and how you began to connect to this idea of being out of alignment and recalibration. Do you want to explore this conversation a bit more on your dad's career and how you ended up here?
1: Yes. So it's so funny because... I, from the time I I think I started dance class, I learned a South Indian form of dance, classical dance. Um, I think I first started dance class when I was six, but I had loved, you know, I, there's videos of me, home videos of me dancing around from the time I was like three or four years old and I've danced pretty much my entire life. I'm now 43, almost 44 years old yet. When I was first introduced to some of these concepts, either through, you know, around cyclical living, connecting to our menstrual cycles, even just connecting to our bodies in general, it really struck me that when I was approaching dance, my body was more of a tool to help me do the moves, do the choreography, tell the story. There was a little bit of an emotional component there, but it took me a while to really connect into that. It was more of like actually probably in the last eight or nine years when I really started integrating the emotional aspect into what I was doing with my body um, for dance. Um, And about, I would say... There's that period of time about, you know, eight years ago and also more in the um, last four or five years when I started really, like I said, connecting more to my period because I could go share a lot of that too. If (laughs) there's a lot of cultural challenges and and, uh, mindsets that I had brought in from a young age around what does it mean to have a period, you know, and then how that impacted me, like many of us growing up and some of the norms that we've taken in, absorbed and carried through and how that's impacted us perhaps negatively. But really understanding the um, the cyclical living piece, which I first started hearing about from Jen Rassiopi, who's an astrologer and then Kate Northrop uh, in her origin community, which I'm, I've been a part of um, this more like cyclical living really started helping me to think of my body as more than just a tool for dance. And that's when I started to integrate more of the like, okay, what does it mean to be in my body? Like, what is all of that wisdom that I actually had been getting from my body? Not just when I was injured and I could feel a muscle pull or an eight, but like those nuances, those subtle um, you know, sensations we might be feeling, what does that mean? And how is that guiding us, not just from a dance perspective, but also a life perspective in our decision-making and um, helping us get closer to, you know, aligning to who we are actually at our core.
0: hmm And it's really interesting because I think, I think something that you hit or that you stated that really hit home for me is the norms and the behaviors and the traditions and what societal expectations are. I've been doing work with the cycle for years now, but it's really like I think because I got so comfortable in understanding the menstrual cycle and starting to declare I'm living this way in accordance and in alignment to my cycle, that this year in particular, or the last, like I would say, good nine months. It's been repetitive messaging that's come into my, in my lens of, for me, it's been the patriarchal system, right? Because honestly, I, I, I'm not a part of a family where there's these strong traditions and expectations, but then starting to see, even with the minor dialogue or even lack of dialogue, but secrecy around certain things that we weren't discussed or we went, we never discussed in our home or that was never really shared those are starting to come into my awareness. Mm. And I'm assuming like from you with your deep roots in a different culture and a different experience, and you saying, like, now I'm starting to awaken and align to my cycle and see my body is different. I can imagine that like two different environments, but we're both kind of exploring and experiencing the same idea. So I love that you brought in this idea of norms and how it's playing into your work and into your journey from being a dancer into now saying, I want to reclaim or realign. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the big, what are the big challenges that you've faced before getting deeper into this work of recalibration that were some big milestones or some challenges that you had to face with messaging that you received? Like where was one of those challenging moments that really was a catalyst for you to go, wait a minute, this has to be yes. different.
1: Yeah. So there, the one key that I I share a lot about, um, because it's still such a pivotal time for me or pivotal, especially looking back, it's where I really, I feel started recognizing, okay, what do I want for myself? So, so just to provide a little bit of context, um, I grew up just having a very clear understanding. I did not want to be a doctor because I would get that question a lot my father was a physician growing up. So I, you know, everyone would ask me, oh, do you want to be a doctor? Like your dad? No, <laughs> was, things grossed me up. Um, but The challenge with that is I had no clear idea of what I did want to do. And so I would go from, you know, from undergrad to a job to, oh, you know what, this doesn't fit. Let me try something else. Oh, this works, but I feel like something is missing. Let me try something else. And this eventually led me to, when I was about 30, 31 years old, um, enrolling in in a doctoral program in marketing. And it really, at the time, was like, you know what, this is it. This is what is going to be professionally fulfilling, personally fulfilling. I'm going to make an impact on young minds. And within, you know, 16 months, I had started in August of 2010, so like upbeat and, you know, just like being on campus and soaking it all in and going to classes. And by like October, November of 2011, I was crying more night than not. I felt like all the color had gone out. I felt like I had dug myself into a hole and I didn't know how to get out of it. And I couldn't really pinpoint what it was because it was such a slow process that when, one day I was like, oh my gosh, no, I have been crying the last X number of nights. Like there's something wrong here. And really that's the moment where, one of the moments where I realized, I feel like I need to make a decision. And and I had, thank goodness for our communities, because I had a, a friend who was like, you know what? It's clear. She kind of witnessed, like, just reflected back to me. It's clear you're miserable. Like, what is the next step? And looking back, what I realized is I had not really ever checked in with myself to say, what is it that I want? And I'm at this decision point. And there's a part of me that's like, should I just keep going? Because my, the faculty was very supportive. They're like, you know, we can help you, you know, however you want. And there's a piece of me that's like, I don't want to disappoint the people in my life. I don't want to look like I failed at this. I went into this with such big expectations and so many other people's expectations. I was going to either, you know, come back, you know, what do I do two years later say oh you know what let's pretend the last two years didn't happen and that's when I realized also it it reminded me again of you know when I was anytime when I was an undergrad and I was stepping into a chemistry lab even though that was my major I would feel the slight feeling in my stomach this like slight anxiety or the slight like just you know and it just kept going and going and going. And, you know, as a, science, as a chemistry major, you're in a lot of labs. You know? So at the time, I would just be like, you know what? It's just I'm anxious. I just need to get through this. And then at one point, my very first job um, was in a, in, a, in a science department at a, at a company. And six weeks in, I had a major panic attack. And it's because I had ignored, you know, looking back, I had ignored all the little signs. And so that happened again a few other times after leaving the doctoral program, but um, it's just at some point when I realized, you know what, I need to actually, I'm just jumping and jumping and I don't have a clear sense of, yes, parts of things resonate. I would move from city to city trying to find my home Um, you know, using air (laughs) quotes around that, like, where do I belong? And at some point I realized the answers had to actually come from inside me instead of externally. So many women face this,
0: like so many. And even if it's not like a doubt about your career, like for me, I know I'm passionate and I love what I'm doing. But then I also, am like, why am I not, why am I not getting to the goals that I, I set for myself? or why am I not meeting the measures? or why am I feeling burnout? And a lot of it always comes back to fear of being too much or what is the outside perception of me declaring this? Like I don't know how many times I've changed my career title because it's like if there was such in the beginning, there was such a discomfort of me going, menstrual cycle coach. Cause that coach didn't really resonate with me either. And then I was like menstrual cycle mentor. And I'm like, but that doesn't feel really good. And then like, I would come up with all of these words. Cause for me, language is so important. And I was like, I don't know what the hell to call myself that feels aligned and authentic to what I want to put out in the world without feeling the fear of making others uncomfortable. Yeah. So, and it's, it's, been a process and it's still a process. This is like an active thing that I deal with on a regular basis where, when I think about what it is that I want to put out in the world and what I really want to embody and share is how to revitalize our life through our womb, through living cyclically. So like, I guess like, I secretly call myself a womb revivalist, but to other people, they're like, what the hell does that mean? And so then it's like, I had to come up with a secondary term that I felt was not too much, socially acceptable and easy to play within. And that was a woman's health practitioner. Right. And, but then I also like, there was a part of my head that went practitioner. Can you really use that word? Because am I giving myself a bigger title than what I'm allowed to But then it was like, but I also have years and years and years of schooling. And I really am a practitioner. I am a yoga therapy practitioner. I am an energy healer practitioner. Like I have all these different certificates under my name that for whatever reason in my mind, societally, we've used the word that the practitioner as a term to mean something in particular. And so it's been a really like the whole story here is how it's really amazing how societal norms yes have played into my own expectations of how i'm allowed to play in the world and how i'm allowed to be seen in the world so yours was more around the lines of this is not in alignment for me career wise how do i rediscover that but there are so many layers of how women are struggling to find their place for many different reasons.
1: Yes. Yes. I liken it to because I very much felt like, you know, at the, when I was in my mid 20s, I had checked off every single box of what is it that I was supposed to do in life, <laughs> right? I, I got the, the degree, I got the master's degree. I mean, this is another master's degree. Um, I had the good job, I owned my condo. The only two boxes I really didn't have checked off were marriage and kids, and which I still do not have checked off 20 years, 20 plus years later. But there is the sense of like, when I check these boxes off, that someone help the boxes that someone else has given, have given me, then I will reach happiness or fulfillment or whatever that goal is, right? And it's not until we start realizing, well, what are if we want to think in terms of boxes or checklists or whatever, what is it for us, rather than, um because you know growing up in in my community we got a lot of like oh so-and-so's daughter is doing this and -and so-and-so's son is doing this and you know and and so there's always that level of i talked to a lot of other immigrant um friends of mine uh or children of immigrants who like very much we grew up in that whole like you know comparison cycle and so how do we break that like that's where i think circling back to the body right like really checking in with ourselves to understand what are our core values and what are our soul desires because once we have a list of sorts then it doesn't matter what the norms are and what the you know like it's at least one step towards breaking free from those norms
0: yes exactly
1: and so how do
0: you suggest using body connection as a tool to reclaim values What are, what are your tools or what are your suggestions that you use with your clients?
1: Yeah. So I'm working on this with one of my clients right now, and it's really settling into one, you know, doing the, the, the work to start to get to understand what are the sensations in our body that we notice. And you know, sometimes we have that really extreme, like contraction when we're about to make a decision or that expansion feeling, perhaps. And so I I start with that as an example, because some, you know, like that most people can resonate with like, oh, yes, I remember those times where I heard that piece of news and my body felt like one way or another, Right. And so really once we're more tuned into our body and the sensation, we could almost follow the sensations as um, the breadcrumbs. So for example, um, I like to ask my my clients, like, what is it that really fires you up? Like, and how does that feel in your body? And so then they're trying to make they're able to make that connection of okay, it's this type of um, you know, when I am in community with somebody else, I feel really expansive, or I feel, um, you know, really um, this fire in my belly of of anger, or whatever, when I see someone being treated this way. And so then you're able to kind of tease apart those things and kind of get to the core, you know, what is the value that's underlying that that experience. Mm -hmm. that has you feeling a certain way and how can you translate that to your core values? Yeah, for sure.
0: And I would imagine that a lot of times when you're asking those questions of that contraction or that expansion, that it relates back to a set of standards or expectations that we've placed upon ourselves through whether it be traditions, norms, expectations from family members these desires or these labels or these, um, boundaries that we've had to live within. And so how do you work with clients to slowly begin to break down some of that dialogue? Some of those, I keep using the word expectation, but it doesn't really feel like an expectation. It's more of like, I can't do this, or I shouldn't do this, or, this isn't what i'm supposed to do, right? So how do you how do you coach them on starting to shift that dialogue so that they can feel more in alignment or to recalibrate, as you like to use that word recalibrate, to unapologetically live their lives. And i love that when i read your your work is that you use the word unapologetically show up in life because i think as women we really struggle hard with this idea that we can live a life unapologetically and not everyone's going to like it. And we are probably going to get criticism or we're going to probably get like, you can do that. Or like, we, we just always feel like we're kind of on display in some way. Yes. And so how do we work through that? Because that's one of my biggest roadblocks is how do I work through knowing that I want to feel expansion? But a lot of times I feel contraction, but I'm ready to like, I'm ready to break that contraction, because I do want more, but it's really hard to feel vulnerable enough to be expanded.
1: Yeah. So this again is why I think just even creating the, so there's a few different components of this. One is if we, um, uh, you know, when I first started in general, and I don't know if this comes from like my science background, but I was very much in my head. And, and, you know, when I first started working, I started out as a career coach about five, six years ago. Uh, And I was doing a lot more exercise, like mental exercises, right? So I still bring some of the mental exercise piece here, but I really like to start with more of the body, the embodiment pieces. So really just part of it is what I start recommending is One, just settling into your body and trying to connect to the feeling that you want to be feeling, whether it's the peace, whether it's the expansion, whether, you know, like, however, and for some people, music is a good way to connect to that. For other people, it's through memories. Um, You know, some people can just kind of um, just even like a spark of something that they see will infuse them with that feeling. And so that's one way, one small way is to just start building that muscle of connecting to that, um, that feeling, that peace or that, that strength, whatever it is that you're, you're wanting to feel. A more mental exercise, um, especially, this is great, especially if you love journaling is to really sit through like, who is the voice that is bringing that, in is it a parent is it a a, a former teacher is it a a friend a colleague or you know who is it and if you can identify that and really break it down to um can you prove it false because that's one of the things I used to love doing even when I was working full-time for another company I'd be like how can I break the system (laughs) you know prove something doesn't work or whatever and so um really sitting with like okay how can I prove that false is there any evidence even if it's not for me if it's someone who I admire or somebody else that can again like we just want to chip away to give this little bit of light and space so we can start seeing the possibility and then the third piece is really surrounding ourselves with this is why community is one of my core values connection and community because like surrounding ourselves with people um especially for me like with other women who really do see us and are there to cheer us on are there to help us course correct not necessarily to say like they're just you know um you know puffing us up like when you know <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> without any grounding, right? But but they're really there to help us navigate because we can be we should be really intentional about who we are sharing these things with. Because if someone doesn't get it, they might, they're not the right person mm-hmm. to be having those deeper conversations around that.
0: And community is something I think we're lacking right now. And I think that's a, a setup from the modern society that we've created where like, even if you look at parenting, parenting was never meant to be a solo endeavor. And now we have women who are parenting and are trying to have careers and are trying to be super mom because Instagram has posted that, that all these moms are happy and love crafts. And like the expectations are so out of skew that it's so crystal clear why as women, we are burning out because we don't have that community to, Auto correct ourselves of going, no, you know what? I don't do that stuff. And know what? I actually hate doing crafts and know what? Your child's sick. I can take your child while you still have to do your other. Like we just have lack of, of support and community because we've set ourselves up to now do it all solo. Like there's some kind of superhero cookie that we get. If we were able to do this all on our own, where that was never how society ran.
1: Exactly. It's so interesting. I've done so many lovely um, ceremonies where like there, I remember being part of this um, retreat where in a retreat, we were doing this grief ceremony, there would be a facilitator who came in and, and was walking us through. And the core concept of that is that, yes, you can go and grieve for yourself, but you're coming back to a community or a village and if you need someone to walk you to the altar and be there with you while you're grieving, like there's somebody there, like you you make, you can make the choice, but there's somebody there. And so there's something about, and and I have a friend who always jokes, like she just wants to buy a bunch of land and have all the friends and their kids and all, you know, like living on the, pro, you know, whatever, however many acres so that they can play together. We can have communal meals. We can, you know, kind of what you were saying, like be there for each other in the day to day. And um, it's, it's really hard. And I think especially I felt it because um, during the, the sh- lockdown a couple of years ago, I was living, you know, in a one bedroom apartment in Chicago and granted, I've been living on my own for many, many years before that, but there was a feeling of isolation and loneliness that came from that that I hadn't really experienced before. I think that forced, you know, shelter in place. And that really did, I think, bump up community to one of my top five values.
0: Yes. I would completely agree with that. It wasn't until things completely shifted and you lost community that you actually really seen the value. Because before that, I I was somebody who was like, oh, I can do it all. And now it's like, no, I need to build A community and I see how important and how much I actually feel alive when I'm in community, even if it's virtually online. And, you know, over the the past few years, I've kind of become like this course or program junkie because I just have to have them all because there's so many communities and I get to be a part of them. And even though I may not contribute with a lot of posts or whatever, to be on these Zoom calls where I can just feel like I'm in some kind of container or space that's being held by someone else and to hear wisdom and to hear experiences and to have these moments of like, yeah, me too. I feel that as well. It's been something that's been really nourishing. And it's really interesting that it's it's after the pandemic or after the lockdowns that now I'm seeking these in any capacity that I can have versus feeling like I'm okay without, and I'm not okay without. Are you wanting to understand your cycle better, to understand your rhythm, the language of your womb, and to really begin to connect deeper with your body? Then I invite you to go and grab my free charting journal. This is a charting journal to chart for both your physical, your emotional, and your spiritual self to deeply connect to your womb wisdom and to understand how to live more in alignment with your energy so that you can have more self-love, more compassion, and you can live your life to the fullest with so much pleasure, with so much fun, and with excitement. It is time for us to be empowered by our womb wisdom and by the language of our cycle. So hop on over to the link below in the show notes and grab your free copy of the charting journal today.
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember studying in grad school, you know, the it was a social psychology class, I think it was, where we were talking about interdependent versus independent mm-hmm. community, right? And societies where there are just so many benefits that you get from an interdependent community. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we have fully recognized that how much more, um, how much more of ourselves we can be if we have that that connection and that support
0: hmm
1: for sure. And space held. Like, I think that's the key part, what you were just saying about these communities and, and being in those spaces is like having the space held and you can be seen if you need. And you can be there for other people to see them when they need. Yeah, for you just to to have no
0: expectation and just to witness. Yeah. It's It's a very, it's been a very potent tool for me and one that I've been craving so incredibly much. So I love that. Now I'm curious... How have you found in tuning to your cycle, whether, well, I guess in particular, let's start off with like the menstrual cycle. And then even like, if there's bigger cycles that are playing into how you connect to your body, Um, because I know that you mentioned Kate Northrup and Kate Northrup, a lot of her work is around, you know, really redesigning our life and how we approach every aspect of our life through our womb wisdom, through what she calls our egg wisdom, you know, how can we start to use these practices and these tools and use the language of our body, like a physical indicator to help be like this tuning fork for us to plan and navigate life. And so I'm really curious, how have you been using this so that you can use the wisdom of your body and live really in alignment with who it is that you are deeply desiring to be and showing up for your clients.
1: Yes. So I'll share a personal anecdote that I I've shared in a few places, which is um, when uh, one point my, my sister had called a couple of falls ago, I think it's like 2020 fall, fall 2021, maybe. Um, And she's like, Hey, you know, what if I come down for a visit this week? And I knew it was the week I was going to have my period. And, or i was going to start my period. And so I had said, okay, well, if you come, this is what you can expect <laughs> because I never used to do that before. And then I would get grumpy and, and like, she would get grumpy, you know, cause we never really paid attention to like, okay, like we, we made all these plans and then I don't want to do them when, <laughs> you know, cause that's more of my like reflection time and I want to be cozy. And so I really started just fundamentally um, paying attention to how I schedule my time and what I'm scheduling on my calendar and, but also playing with it because, you know, I've noticed that, okay, when sometimes when I'm in certain parts of my cycle, I maybe wouldn't want to be going out to a party, but I can still have a very deep conversation with somebody like we're having, I'm on day three of my cycle right now. Um, Whereas before I thought, oh, I need to just be sitting and and doing pure reflection and journaling. So so there is a little bit of experimentation still within the bands of of what each part of our cycle, um, what that energy is. But that's a fundamental way. And And I've really, you know, I've brought that in with some of my clients who are working uh, more like, uh, you know, working for organizations and they have meetings and things like that on how can they create a little bit more space during those weeks when they know that their energy is going to be lower versus, versus higher. Also just in general, I think when you're talking about the broader circles, something that I've really started playing with, uh, with my current business coach is, um, we're really looking at everything from a human design and astrology lens as well, And so that has been super fascinating for me because seeing how, from that perspective, like, you know, at different um, parts of the year right now is a great time for me to really, um, we're in the ninth house, I think for, for my, for me personally, and also we just had a uh, new moon last week that hit my ninth house. And that's a great time for me to really revisit my my own core values, my own philosophy and, and how I want to bring that into my work or grow that into my work. And so I just love having those. It's almost like little mini containers that I can work within for myself and how I'm you know, sharing with my clients on how we approach life and because it's cyclical it doesn't have to be one and done i think that was another big realization for me is like i don't have to have the perfect messaging on my website like you know for life you know like <laughs> as as we go through cycles we i can revisit and it might shift as you know we all evolve and we all take in more experiences and information and learn and so that was also very much a uh, it was very freeing for me as well. Yeah. And I would say for myself, like this was way,
0: this is right after I was done university. As I was going into a career in working in women's shelters and being a support worker and a counselor, one thing that I struggled with and granted I was in my early twenties. So there is like this, I think at that age, there's always like, am I not enough? Or, you know, that person doesn't like me. And I had this amazing, amazing mentor um, who worked with me, who introduced us to the Enneagram, and this was like I think my first exposure of playing around with this idea of personality types. And I remember I was always someone that was very punctual, that was very rigid, that you know always had to excel, was a perfectionist. I didn't want to disappoint people. And when we we did this group event with our with all the people that were working at the shelter and she brought in an enneagram specialist and it came out that i was a number 1 for anyone that knows the enneagram um which is a reformer is a rule follower and it was like it was the most freeing thing that i had because it was like all of a sudden i'm not a bad person because i'm freaking out because people are always late it was more so i'm freaking out because i'm afraid of disappointing people and i got to know myself on a different level through understanding my personality and that it wasn't like something that was that I was uniquely different in. It was that it, it helped me have a container to see that I was like so many others and that what I was feeling was okay. And that every, every light quality, every like good quality you have also has a shadow aspect to it. So yes, I was very accountable and very reliable for people, but the shadow side for that was that it brought deep anxiety when I was afraid of being late or when I was afraid of disappointing. And so the Enneagram was my first experience into that. And then from there, I think when your door kind of opens to like your first peekaboo into one of these personality types is that you start to discover others. And astrology has been a huge one for me of, I have no idea how astrology works. And I want to it's one of those things that I don't even want to learn, but I love getting my own readings because it's like, it's, taking away the pressure, it feels like sometimes of knowing that there's a bigger system in play that is affecting how I'm feeling. So like, I feel like the past four months, I've been in this like fertile void as Kate Northrop will put it, where I just don't feel motivation. I just don't, I don't want to produce anything. I don't want to, I don't want to push. Like I'm not If I was to relate it to my cycle, it feels like I'm in a deep menstruation for like four months (laughs) Mm that just is not lifting up. But then when we looked at my chart, it was like, you're not meant to right now. Like you're meant to be in this place of just rest and ease. And so it was relieving of knowing of going, you know, what I'm feeling, I could push against the grain and I can keep pushing, but I'm going to burn myself out or I could just lean into it. And the same idea with human design, you know, human design and gene keys is the other thing that I started, I was just introduced to last year. And it's been mind opening and really transformational. And for me to experience how this is another element and layer, right? And so, like, all of these different tools have been ones to help guide me. And interestingly enough, in particular, in my luteal phase, because in our luteal phase, or in our what I call my inner fall, that's when our inner critic comes in and really starts to like, show your shadows and show that you're like, you're not enough or that you should be pushing more. And some of this is society that has set us up that we should always just be in the yes phase and our luteal is very much a no phase. But that inner critic, when it pops in, this is when I really lean on these tools of human design or the gene keys or astrology and really look at how those are playing into how I'm feeling and remembering who I am at my core. And that this is just A shadow side speaking to me. And it's okay.
1: Yes, I love that. And I I totally agree because I think how I explain human design to because I I offer, you know, the the very little bit that I can interpret, I do, you know, when I'm working with a new client one-on-one, I ask if they're open to sharing their getting their chart and sharing it with me. And and how I explain it to them is, you know, for me, is just one, it's been very validating in, you know, things that I struggled with. I can see in my chart why I, I struggled with that when I was younger or things, you know, like you said, like I why I kept pushing, you know, like I'm not meant to be sitting in a certain type of environment. And that's why that I was chafed at that. And and I and I, mean, I want to make sure At least I I try to say it's not like prescriptive, perhaps, because I know for us in in my culture, um, we do horoscopes and sometimes it can get very prescriptive and and all of that stuff. But um, but it's just a very gentle way of reconnecting to what feels right for us. And, And if it doesn't resonate, you can experiment with it. Is it because of the the. The norms that we've absorbed, that it's that we're just not familiar with operating in a way that might be more natural to us. And then when you start playing with it, like it's just so interesting, like with some of my clients just seeing how much it changes, how they're approaching their day, how they're approaching their relationships, their conversations because they learn these little bits about themselves mm-hmm.
0: and I think the more that we can learn about ourselves because i I feel like. I feel like these tools are tools that are there for us to use as it feels best to use, but they're not tools that we're introduced to in mainstream education or in business environments, right? so these are these are things that we're starting to self-discover that make us feel better and make us feel like we have clarity as to how we're feeling. And to find more inner acceptance. Because even if we look at the menstrual cycle, like the menstrual cycle, for me, it's just another tool for me to have more self-compassion. I don't use it as a means for birth control or to achieve pregnancy. I use it as a way of like, man, I'm really grouchy today. And it's like, oh, well, I'm on day 21. That might be why, (laughs) right? Like I'm feeling a little irritated. And there's something to be said of that. As soon as you have this awareness I can then self-resource to figure out what it is that I need as my medicine. So my cycle just gives me a lens to go, oh, you're probably feeling this way because of that. And then it's for me to determine what do I need? I need to go upstairs, close the door, and just have some kid-free time. I need to be able to know that it's okay to ask for others to support me so that I can remove myself from situations. It's okay for me. Not to say yes to everything. Like for instance, right now I'm in my luteal phase. I'm just entering that phase of no. But last weekend we had my daughter's ninth birthday party where I had 11 screaming girls in this house. I did it during ovulation because I knew I did not have the capacity to do it any later than that. Right, and so like these are the things is that I know myself through these tools. And I know where I'm going to feel the burnout or I'm going to feel the angst or I'm going to start becoming very self-critical of, man, I was a really crappy mom because I couldn't hold space for 11 kids, right? And so my expectation shift with having tools and cycle wisdom is a huge one for me, but astrology is another one that's really important to me as is the Enneagram. I still use that one quite a bit. Like these for me are not, like you said, prescriptive. They don't say this is who Kate is and she cannot meander from this. Instead, it's like, these are aspects of yourself and there is a lot of beauty in it. And there can be some shadow in it, depending on how you want to look at it, but you can, you can enter into the shadow with a little bit of light. Right. And so I think it's really great that you use human design.
1: Yes. And touching back on the, you know, the menstrual cycle, I think the other interesting part for me is when, you know, when a, a few years ago it really became clear that a lot of the messaging and the the traditional um, ways that my, my my grandmother, my my dad's mom, was very traditional when it came and conservative when it came to like when you had your period, you weren't allowed in the kitchen and you weren't allowed to touch people and then in general like you're not allowed to go to the temple for the first three or four days. You know, like there are certain things and and I remember when I was 21 um, for my 21st birthday it was it, my birthday's in July, so we were in India for the summer and my parents were having this puja done um this this um ritual thing done for me at the temple and I had to stand outside because I had my period and I just remember feeling this like intense embarrassment because I knew every person who was walking in and out of that temple knew why I was standing outside and the rest of my family was inside and I think the the it was in 2019 when I started exploring this through through a program that I was in and just reconnecting to my cycle in a different way of like, you know what, it's not dirty. It's not, you know, something to just kind of like, for those few days, you're kind of in this box over here. And then now, like, I actually pay attention to how does my body feel when I'm, you know, in each phase of my cycle, like you said, like, you know, when you're, you know, day 2021. Right. And, and not just the, and I think it's like beyond just the mental, cause I, I was definitely tracking uh like, how do I feel mentally? Like, when do I feel more energy? When do I not? But, but almost now I feel like I can connect to that space and like, okay, there's actual muscles there. There's actual, you know, like you can feel the tightness there. You can feel the, the, the nuances there that I had never really paid attention to the first 35 plus years of my life or not. Okay. I didn't get my period till I was 17. So (laughs) 17 to 35, you know,
0: but it's so true. Like our, how we sleep, how we think, how we're primed for language, you know, our desire to be seen all impacts it. So if I'm doing, if I think of my business stuff, I'm doing a launch and I'm not in ovulation, I don't feel good about myself. Like, I feel like I don't actually want to be visible. I don't want the spotlight to be on me. But if you get me in the first half of my cycle, especially close to ovulation, you know, I can rock a webinar because I'm like, hey, this is me. And we're gonna do some exciting stuff. And let's talk about all these things that make us uncomfortable. (laughs) So it's a very different, like there's so many different ways that we're different depending on where we are in our cycle. And it's so magical because even though like I it was never framed the way it was framed for you around menstruation as a youth. There was something deep in within me that still knew that it was dirty and untalkable. Right. Like, and so like, I remember as a teen stuffing my pads at the bottom of a garbage can thinking that nobody would know. Mm -hmm. Right. Like there was still the shame that was held. Where now, and you know, I held that for a long time. I held that even when I was still married, like when I first got married, it wasn't until after having kids that I was like, there's a lot of bodily things that you've seen now that you're too tired to care. I don't care anymore. (laughs) Right. But that's when I really started to deepen into cycle wisdom. And understanding it. And now there is something so refreshing about being able to own it, of going, I'm on my period, and people around me knowing what that means and what I need in return for that, versus being that girl outside the temple, going, everyone's staring at me and judging me. It's like the the older version of me could stand outside that temple and go, I'm bleeding, but I am wise, right? Like feeling empowered yes. because of what's happening in my body versus feeling not powerful and feeling outed and feeling shame. And so it's been so refreshing to be able to feel into my cycle differently and to create, this is what I love because like what I shared about like, that I had a very different experience than you, but yet I felt similar feelings to you, even though it wasn't something that was verbalized to me is that that's a lot of ancestral healing that I had to do or the stuff that this trauma that happened before I was even on Earth's side that has been carried into my genetic code for me to know that in some way this is dirty in some way this is unacceptable in some way this makes you different and now being aware of it and teaching what I teach and exploring it and owning it I have two girls and I just think of how different their experience is going to be how yeah. different they're going to feel about being a woman and bleeding which was an opportunity that I didn't have until I was in my 30s as well. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. Well, it's been so great having you on here. Now, I before we close, there's a few things that I want to discuss. First, the work that you do, what what kind of things can people expect or see or how can they work with you? Like do you have programs or is it just one-on-one coaching? What does that look like? And how can they find you?
1: Yeah, so I'll start with the how can they find me first. Um I am on Instagram. I'm somewhat <laughs> frequent. No, I'm a somewhat semi-frequent poster on Instagram. Um, so that is at vidya.r.warrior, W-A-R-R-I-E-R. And um, and then there's my website, which is where most of my my um programs are listed. Most of my programs are listed, my current programs and my free resources. Um if you know, if someone is thinking, oh, this is really cool. You want to follow along the journey as I, I'm always continuing my own recalibration journey. Um, there's an invitation to join my newsletter on there as well. And my website is vidyawarrior.com. And currently I do a mix. I do a mix of a one-on-one coaching as well as and and again, I like you. I, the, the word coach does not resonate as well for the the work that I'm doing. I I like to think it was like I'm catalyzing you with experiences or practices that you can then really you know run with. Um, so I do some short term type of coaching containers or engagement containers, and also um, you know if needed for some people for like a little bit longer, like three month containers here and there as well. But I also have started doing um, body connection type workshops every couple of months. So if that is something that has interest, you know, just, you know, a small group of women coming together, it's my way of help giving people the space to really start connecting to their body to connect to those sensations and using a few different types of avenues to connect in and also get that sense of community as well, like in that small group safe format. Um, So that's also something like if you are interested in that type of work, I would highly recommend um, joining my email newsletter because I do, I send out newsletters once a week. And usually when those are coming up, I'll, I'll mention that in there as well. So great. I love it. And I love that you use the word a
0: catalyst versus a coach, like that, to me feels aligned with what you've been talking about and sharing in this conversation today. So, we have to find different words for the word coach. It
1: just, I don't know. Yes. It's, <laughs> it, it's. I think there's something that it just stopped resonating with me about six months ago, and I was trying, like you, I was trying to find what is the word that really resonates, mm-hmm. but also conveys what I, you know, what I do without having to explain too much. Yes.
0: I love it. Okay. And then we always end these calls with a womb led tip that the listeners can go out into the world and start using this tip to help them align more with life, right? To align or recalibrate, as you would say, to live unapologetically. So what would be your
1: tip for our listeners? So my tip is actually something that we had touched on earlier, but if there is a feeling of either peace or joy or something you want to bring more of or cultivate more of in your life, what I love to invite uh, people to do is just set a timer for like 30 seconds on your phone, whenever you have 30 seconds or a minute. Connect into either that memory or whatever it is that triggers that feeling in you, like really sit, like, where does it, where do you feel it in your body? And what is that sensation? And see, again, don't, don't put too much pressure on yourself to like, oh, I have to focus in on this for 30 seconds, but just let yourself have that 30 seconds to just connect, reconnect back to that feeling. Mm, I love that. You can always build on that too. If you want 30 seconds, a minute, whatever it is. And you know, there's so many
0: different practices that are very similar in nature, but I I really like the idea of dropping into that joy emotion or that joy memory or, yeah, I like it. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. It has been fantastic to learn how you came into seeing that your body was a tool to recalibrate, to You know, challenge the environments that you were in and to really align your life. So that way you felt like you could be unapologetic in life, that you could really show up in your truest essence and to really share with the world who you are in this beautiful life that you have to live. So thank you so much, Vidya, for being on here with me and having these conversations and going deep into your personal story and sharing all that you did. I really, truly appreciate it.
1: Thank you. I had so much fun. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: For way too long as women, we have been guided to hate our menstrual cycle and to curse our hormones. We have lost the art of seeing the inner power of being cyclical. So if this podcast is inspiring you and waking up a new curiosity of how your cycle can be your superpower, I invite you to check out the She Sisterhood. This is a monthly membership that will align you to your unique rhythm through aligned womb yoga practices, psycho coaching on how to weave your psycho wisdom into everyday life, and to be part of a community of women that are awakening to their inner power. Remember, womb wisdom equals connection to self, which ultimately equals inspired living. And if you love this episode, Don't forget to rate and review. I love seeing how this information is transforming your life.